would say that that this too shall pass. This too shall pass. I think this is this is a quote that works every time. Anything that I go through, I think I motivate myself by saying that this too shall pass. And I'm the kind of a person who always uh, felt and resonated with with what Jordan Peterson said once, that you know the purpose of life is not happiness. It's striving towards something better. And probably God has bestowed this responsibility towards us because God wants us to do something good in the world. Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair podcast brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's show, we'll be discussing how to face what's ahead. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. Before I introduce you to our guest today, let me start by sharing the Naked Parent Nation offering. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents and professionals raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truth, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment one day at a time. So if you're ready to take back your life or just continue your journey of awareness and consciousness, then let me welcome you to Naked Parent Nation and the Naked Parent Podcast. So before our conversation, let's just take a little moment to center and ground ourselves. And if you want to sit up tall with your spine straight and let your eyes fall closed and just take in the sounds that are around you and the sensations in your body. And as you start to focus on your breath, I'll offer a prayer. Heavenly Father, Mother, Friend, Great Spirit, Divine Consciousness, Wondrous Nature, and Saints of all religions, we come together as brothers and sisters on a similar quest to better understand ourselves, our divine calling, and how to be the best version of ourselves and parents for our children. We ask for guidance and the ability to accept life on life's terms. May each listener feel an inner sense of peace and calm in our hearts today. May we feel love and spread love. Om. Peace. Amen. 
And then continuing with your eyes closed, let's just do a short breathing exercise to see if we can release some of that stored energy inside us. So we're going to start with a double exhalation out to remove the carbon dioxide. So it's going to sound like this. So, and then inhale through your nose, clench your fist and hold it. And then exhale and relax your body. And then we're going to inhale through our nose and we're going to clench our fists in every muscle in our body. And we're going to hold it at the top, visualizing the space at the top of our head. So inhale and hold. Exhale and relax. Two more times. Inhale, clench your fists and hold. And then exhale, relax. And then one more time. Inhale, clench and hold. Keep holding it, visualizing the breath, the crown of your head. And then exhale and let it all go. And feel the peace within. And then just let your breath take back over, come back into the room and join us for the conversation that we're about to have with a mother that will inspire us and is on a similar journey to myself and the listeners. Fatima, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Where are you calling in from? I'm calling from uh, Lahore, Pakistan. Fantastic. What time is it there? Uh, It's around 12.35 a.m. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about you and your family and a little bit about who you are? Uh, Yes, for sure. So I was a working mom and uh, I uh, did my infant and public college and public administration with a specialization in education and sped. Never, never had I ever thought that I'd be able to, that I'll be applying all those things in my own life and going through that journey myself. But you see, uh, man proposes before disposes. So that's what happened. And I was working. I was working as strategic aid with the Ministry of School Education. Uh, it was a very honorable job, a very fulfilling job. Um, I have a very small family, just uh, my son. I only have one kid, my husband, and we live in, uh, in a city in, the, in, in quite a major metropolitan part of the city. After my son was diagnosed, if he would want to. Uh, let me just share those that kind of uh, that part of my story because it's kind of tough and uh, it's still new to it. It's been around three years that we've been on this journey. It has its own ups and downs, and you know I always say that depression or sorrow is kind of a thing where where, where it has its own ebb and flows. It's not something that goes away. I mean, you deal with it on on a daily basis. It's the twenty four seven thing which people outside of this autism. Uh, journey cannot relate to and understand. So my son was fine till three 
years old. We had his happy birthday and, you know, he was singing and talking and making eye contact. And, you know, we just, uh, uh, we always thought, of, unlike other people in the country, that we'd have a very smaller family. If, I don't know if you know about Asian people, but we usually have, like, more kids. And uh, me and my husband, we uh, kind of come from families of very well-educated and career-oriented and all. So we wanted to have a smaller family, uh, work on their growth and upbringing, and as well, at the same time, you know, kind of work on ourselves, for our career progression and all. But right after his third birthday, I just started noticing that he started losing his speech. Initially, when I used to share these concerns with like even my husband, so he's a very supportive and progressive person, but he was like, you're a mom and probably because I just had one child and I was very particular and I was a working mom and in Asia when you're working, obviously the mothers are very conscious because you have a responsibility at home that that is something that you have to, you know, kind of do. So I used to feel like probably I'm not paying attention and that's why he's doing that. Probably he's watching a lot of screen, he's having a lot of screen time, but that wasn't it. Significantly losing chunks of his speech and sentences and words. And when I started noticing, I started sharing it with some of the extended family members. And, you know, they being kind, they being supportive, they were like, no, no, it's just, you know, you're just thinking like that. And probably it's just a phase and probably it's because he got sick. <laughs> How he got the flu, that's why he's losing it. But no, he lost it. And uh, when he um, was 3.8, uh, he got completely mute. That is when I uh, felt like there's something, there's something serious going on. And um, I think he only hardly had one or two words and just some of the sounds left. And for a child who was kind of, who had sentences, he hit every milestone on time, he was three and was totally fine. We were looking at preschool so he never thought in you know that this is something that's going to happen then living in a country like Pakistan you don't have a lot of awareness about it so if you talk about autism and talk to people in the country and Lahore is like one of the major cities of the country it's not something that you would say that I live in a remote area it's like a major city you have the um, industry here you have all the top-notch universities here of the country so imagine I went to the top pediatricians of my city and uh, you know what they told me they said uh, you're a very educated mom and we have seen educated moms googling a lot of stuff and it's just you worrying about him there's nothing wrong with your child oh. just give him time and since there is even though we have transitioned kind of um, grown towards a society where you know men and women are working and all but still there is there is a certain quarter who still feel like that that women should not be working properly because their prime responsibility is the house and all, and the children. So uh, uh, literally, I and I'm, I'm I would not name those people, but there were certain pediatricians who said that probably because you're a working mom, or because your child went to a daycare, that's why mm. he's lost it. That's why he's gotten this and that. And when I used to even use the term autism because I I, I was a well-read person. I said, prob I think probably has autism because he he does not have any eye contact. He does not respond to his name. He does not finger point and he has lost his speech. So they're big, big red flags. So they used to say that you're Googling stuff and, you know, this is to make fun of me in front of the family members that I went with sometimes. And, you know, at the end of the day, there were times when I used to come back from the doctor's appointments when I felt like probably is just me. You know, mm. that there's something wrong that I am doing. 
and i started blaming myself initially and it was the worst phase of my life because i am looking for a label and yes i i would like to quote because i don't know probably the asian families might relate to it one of the doctors even told me as to why would you want to label your child as autistic because then he is going to be labeled for life and what kind of a parent are you and mm. i told them that that you know i am not that sort of a parent but if i will get the label i would know what to do but you're not telling me if he has it or not and you're a pediatrician i'm not i'm just a parent so you need to tell me if this is it or if there's something wrong with him so they used to tell me just give him time you know just talk to him and mm. and uh, that went on and and it's quite sure that went on for like 3 months and that's when i spoke to a fellow and, and and around that time i was just so frustrated by the lack of support from the expert people in the field that i went to i reached out to people on facebook i reached out to people the autism communities on facebook i joined a lot of groups canadian family groups us family groups and all and that's where i met a mother and uh, she told me when i told her that there are these three four signs she said your child is autistic i mean why are the doctors not giving you the diagnosis and that's why i started uh, searching for people and thankfully after like a 3 4 month time period i was able to find a, a developmental pediatrician he was in dubai and he gave me i got a telephone from him he gave me the diagnosis for my child initially and then later on i went to a local person and told them that you know it is because of the licensing issue he could not like officially diagnose a child from the wife so he told me that you're right and this is not something that we're just thinking about but you need to go to somebody in your region because he cannot like officially give me that kind of a thing on a piece of paper so that's when i found somebody else and i was able to in 3 4 months and uh, here they were able to give me a diagnosis so that's when i came to know that he has ASD so wow how old is your son now he is 6 now and he was diagnosed when he was 3.8 3.9 you say 6 He's six now, yes. What a lonely feeling during that time, I must imagine, when the doctors yeah. are telling you that it's because you're working and you know that there's something happening and you're almost getting put down. It must have felt so lonely. I even blame myself at times because they used to tell me that you sent him to a daycare. I mean, some of my even relatives told me that probably you sent him to a daycare. Wow. And you're a working mom because you prioritize your career and your studies. Probably that's the reason he got autism. I mean, if you would have paid attention to him, or you would have spoken to him more, he would not have gotten autism. And I mean, you would laugh at it, but I met a mother in a in a park, and it's it's like a very very famous park where a lot of educated families live in. It's kind of a community park. And one of the mothers told me, "Did you have strawberry shake when you were expecting?" Oh Probably that's the reason he. Wow. <laughs> imagine the level of uh, the lack of awareness in the society but but yes this is something that that i went through yeah once you get the diagnosis and you start your journey of raising your child with the awareness of some of the issues that he may face what did you do did you look for services did you what did you do as a parent once you got the confirmation that he was autistic i i think that that's a really that's a really sensitive question in the sense because it reminds me of some of the worst times that i've had uh, on this journey 
when he was diagnosed with autism i still remember i was uh, when i collected the report and it was a government hospital and the doctor was sitting over there and they gave me that report and when i was coming back i still remember i gave my debit card at the fuel station to get the tank refilled and i was just so stressed all the dreams that i had for my child it was just shattered because i know the kind of country that i live in mm-hmm. i know the kind of society that i live in i mean just regular normal people who are unable to compete in the society and the educational system they they just they just lag you know they just they suffer badly you know and you know so that there's a stigma attached to it if somebody is not doing well down to doctor and engineer just imagine your child was diagnosed with autism while you were planning for him to go to the best preschool of the of the city so i remember i forgot to collect my debit card and i was just i just constantly drove and drove and drove and then i and came home and then i i still remember that i was just in a state of shock and i could not tell it to anybody and you know whosoever that i called and i told them that my son has autism the first question they asked me was what is autism so imagine how difficult it is to just kind of find support in the community because people don't know the next thing that i immediately did being the kind of person that i am was i started looking for services uh when i googled so i came to know that any autistic child initially needs two to three forms of therapies depending on depending upon the type of level of support they require so my child was diagnosed with mild to moderate autism so i started looking for therapy clinics to my surprise back then there were very few clinics in the city so the government only has you would you wouldn't believe that in a city where you have around 14% they only do government hospitals providing that kind of support and it's the major city which means all the other people from all the other cities kind of come into the city for that kind of wow. support so in those hospitals you won't get the kind of daily support that you need for your child so i knew that those two hospitals weren't my option i started looking for private setups and when i started looking for private setups so when you're a new parent you're going through that shock also going through that trauma also so it's not something that you immediately recover from that is something that i tell everyone it's it, it is going to take time for you to first accept that and then move on to the next thing for anything that anybody used to tell me i just started reading that and somebody told me you need to look for occupational therapy as like okay fine this and that and all and and then the kind of centers that i went to and when i met people there were times when i didn't even like the environment they were like located in the basements they were like located in the drawing rooms of certain people they in our country we don't have any licensing systems like you have in us or canada where you know anybody's license is going to get cancelled so for me the first and foremost question was his safety because he's got a non verbal he's lost his speech he's forgotten a lot of things he's regressed so how is he going to be safe so that was the first question so most of the centers did not fit that criteria so they were out the other centers that i went to were very very expensive and by expensive i mean starting off with 40 to 60k at minimum wow 40 to 60k at minimum that does not include you driving them to the to the centers and you know kind of or any kind of government support i mean just forget about that kind of a thing that doesn't exist <laughs> just that kind of a thing you know just when they give you that figure uh, and you feel like oh my god that is something that's going to go out of your paycheck uh, and then uh, they ask you to bring things for the children 
So initially, when my son started his therapy, they used to tell me you have to bring those pen pots. So you have to buy it for your child also. So just the amount of funds that were required immediately. Uh, another important thing that I uh, that I would like to share for other any other Asian families, which and you know I want to tell those parents because after two and a half years, I do that now. I go to universities and places and schools, and I tell mothers. But you have to be the squeaky wheel. You have to make noise. You have to be that itching person who has to raise the point at everything. Because initially, I was so complacent with everything that they were telling me. Because I wanted to get my child fixed. I mean, as cliched as it sounds now, and I regret having that kind of approach. But initially, I just wanted that thing to, you know, be over, and you know, for him to be independent and. Be back, but that just hasn't come. This is the new. This is a new world. You've just transitioned, and you have to learn to live in that and thrive that. But you don't get into that mindset immediately. So uh, he started to the clinics. I was paying a hefty amount. I was getting those kind of resources. I was enrolling myself into God knows the kind of courses that I could find. Every webinar that I could attend to, the course that I could sign up for, and just. The amount of information was overwhelming. It's like a big puzzle piece, and there are thousand pieces. And I, whenever I could find just one thing, and after a few days, I used to read something else. I was like, "How am I going to connect these two things?" So it was just impossible. I remember. I don't think I slept more than five hours or four hours in the last three and a half years because I keep telling my husband, "I need to read more. I need to know more." Mm-hmm. And then another uh, issue that I faced was that in our country, because it is very, very difficult to find competent people, a, and b. I understand their businesses, but they they come under a grey area. We don't have any licensing regimes where they are held accountable for their actions. Mm-hmm. So parents weren't allowed back then. Parents weren't allowed in the centres. So if you drop your child and something. Used to happen, they used to tell that he is an autistic child. He might have hit himself. Mm. I remember one of my fellow uh, friends called me. They have an autistic. She has an autistic child, and she called me, and she was just crying and sobbing over the phone. And she told me that her son had a had literally a ha- handprint on his face. Oh my god! And when god. I said what happened, so she said that when she went to pick up her child from a clinic, the those and she asked what happened. They said that. The kid hit himself, <sighs> and when she asked for a video, I mean, you cannot get it legally. I mean, nothing happens. So just imagine the kind of state and country when you live in a country like that, you cannot trust whatever the other person is saying. But I was so complacent in the beginning that whatever anybody used to tell me, I used to just say, "Okay, fine." I used to say, "Let him cry." Uh, this is you have to put into his this behavior, and I was like, "Okay, fine." But now, like I started taking RBT trainings, I started taking a lot of courses. Now, neurodiversity affirming course I recently took up, and I realized I was so wrong. I was actually putting my giving my son PTSD. Just this journey has been such an eye-opening journey, a very overwhelming journey. As I said, I've not slept for more than four or five hours. But I think now I've come to the stage where I tell parents that you know. Just question people, check their credentials, fight for it. I remember I went to a therapist once, and I asked the speech therapist, 
I need to see your credentials. I need to know where did you graduate from, if you're legit or not. You know what that person said? That person said to me, I don't like working with parents who ask for my credentials. I mean, bloody hell, I'm paying 2K. I'm paying 2K per hour for your speech therapy. And no. you cannot assure me whether you are licensed, certified, competent to conduct speech no. therapy or not. Plus, I cannot even sit during the session and you will not even guide me so i don't know what to do for the rest 22 hours to support his learning and speak so this has been my journey wow. so far sir wow i'm so sorry that you've had to go through this and i think the the title of the show facing what's ahead you still have to move forward you still have you have to take these challenges and tomorrow's going to come when this was all new still kind of feels new to me even years later it was new and you're facing these things for the first time and it's overwhelming and depression sadness fear are kicking in how did you get through it i think with the support of my husband on top of it i'm an over analyzer naturally being the mom you know the hormones and emotions come in the way but i think my husband he's my rock he's the person who kind of held me together a plus something that i always tell parents when they come to me now uh, because i do volunteer i have a volunteer project where i kind of uh, support uh, deserving families it's free of cost just to get them it's the onboarding on this autism journey that's what i do here I remember there came a phase where I used to cry like every two hours, like every two hours, and I'm not, I'm not lying one bit about it. Probably more than that, and I used to go to bed crying, mm. and I used to wake up and with a new like strength and resilience that I, you know, today is going to be a good day, and I'm going to do that and all. Uh, but like I remember, like by two p.m., three p.m., I used to start crying because I didn't know what to do. Yeah. it was so traumatic i stopped going i stopped meeting friends another i think another consequence that this this uh, autism diagnosis has is how you kind of lose your friends because that's when you re- and, and not only friends just family yes. uh, because of the way they treat your kid uh, because of the way that the just the subtle expressions and and the nuances you know they they have an impact on you and initially you, when you are the parent of a neurotypical child you don't go through that but when you go through that journey you realize let's say probably your friends they aren't comfortable with your child coming in so they'll probably invite you to come in you know just leave it with a leave him with a dad you know i've had some friends who said that and you know there's just something that is not that's something that hits you and you cannot even tell them so it's kind of passive aggressive but You see, it's very traumatic uh, when you go through that. I've lost friends on this journey, and I've made amazing friends through this journey also. So I think that that's just part and parcel of it. But I went through that phase, but I think that's important too, because that that is something that makes you resilient. That is something that makes you an advocate for your child. If you don't go through that journey, you don't realize that you need to that you need to accept your child first. I still meet mothers under my volunteer uh, work where they come in and they say, you know, just, just don't mention it. I want you to be fine in three months. So what is it that we can do? And then they say, you know, I just don't like him doing the hand clapping and all. And then I tell them that you need not to stop the hand clapping. This is important for them. They're different. You need to accept your children. 
if you won't accept him nobody's going to accept in this society especially the kind of country that we live in yes. so this is something that i do and i feel like i've been there myself though i wasn't the kind of a parent who used to hide it i was very proud of it but because of being educated probably or coming from you know that kind of a setup but i feel like a lot of parents go through this journey yeah so now i keep telling them that they need to you know fight for it and advocate your child i was like i need to there is something lacking like i used to go to the park and i want to share this incident because there's something that many parents would relate to but as soon as they get a diagnosis and i keep that something even a, something a little wrong maybe you know he tells something and all yeah more about college addict or something why it shouldn't be they are normal they're regular kids but somehow we are more sorry for it and they go with they go to a park and let's say they push the kid just once you know we are more sorry for it which is which is just wrong because it's something about our perception we need to work on our perception and our belief and only then we can you know change the society also but this starts with us first yes i want to highlight a couple things that you said and one is relating to your husband being your rock and for the parents that are out there in naked parent nation that are listening to the show it's no secret that the relationships when a special needs child is introduced have a very high divorce rate and those are the times where we need support the most and so for the parents that are listening that are struggling and are sort of taking it out on their relationship with their partner i want to ask you to stop and try another way and try and figure out how to support one another because where would you be without your husband through that so difficult journey you know so um i'd like to see couples fight a little bit more for their relationship in order to support one another through this journey also before i forget i did interview a doctor from pakistan and i want to get you guys in contact at some point in case you can connect and collaborate because you're both well educated and on a similar journey so let me ask your son on a difficult day how do his special needs play out what does a difficult day look like in your home sad i'm sure you can relate to it it's different on different days it just depends so with my son i think every time the season changes this is something that i've noticed that the sleep cycle gets a lot uh, disturbed so i mean there are days where he doesn't sleep through the night and i mean there those days like go on till 10 and 12 days and it is it is very tough so those are like some of the toughest days that i would say because you see a child sleeps for 2 hours and wakes up for 2 hours and then you know he's hyperactive so you have to constantly engage with them because if because my son has psychotics so have to be on the you know uh, i have to be very very cautious because he he might you know take anything and chew on it and probably you know in got to be you know digested so i have to be like those are the toughest days um on other days i would say the hyperactivity because even though he's on a kind of you're trying our best to be on a dsea diet but i feel like those are the days that they tough because we are getting old so we don't have the same kind of energy all the time so i keep telling uh, all the parents and you know i've been i've been trying to get on an exercise regime myself because i feel like we need to maintain our strength also to just 
keep up with them so the days where he's very very hyperactive it is very very difficult to manage that i think the third thing is the pika we have certain days where the pika flares up we are doing biomed also and i'm sure everybody every parent can understand how that goes it takes time and also pika is uh, i feel like pika with autism is something that very few people understand as in not just mouthing it is it is kind of another form of hell that you go through because um and it's not some specific texture so my my son can take from threads to any steel sharpness or any dots or anything so you can imagine like how clean you have to keep everything how watchful you have to be all the time so i feel like when they say that not as parents have uh, stress stress levels as uh, as much as the combat <laughs> soldier i feel like that's true because you know we're always in a survival mode those are i think the sleeplessness the hyperactivity and the pike that something that the toughest days to go through and i mean there are days when i feel like a failure and i'm not doing it and then every mm-hmm. morning i wake up with a new vigor and resolution that i'm going to make a difference and i'm not the kind of a person who's going to back off so this is a challenge and i'll accept it and work on it and another thing that has helped me a lot is learning i would tell all the parents that do not rely on a therapist all the time you need to empower yourself knowledge is power because your child is going to stay with you for 20 hours 21 hours the therapist is going to change you might change clinics but if you empower yourself if you understand the sensory needs and all especially work on the neurodiversity from in practices which is something not observed in our country i mean i still go to the clinics where people feel like that he has to sit on a table for one hour and that's an achievement but i tell them that you know if you kind of understand those clues as to what your child needs if he's over hugging you know give him a teddy bear you know just things like that if he needs a lot of proprioceptive input work on that if he needs a lot of deep pressure work on that but you cannot know about all these things unless you study and mm-hmm. how to you know find those clues and help your son because that is going to take him to independence not just the clinics and i always tell them it is the parent who wakes the child up takes him to the washroom gets the whole task analysis of the toothbrushing activity and the face washing and it's the little little things it each and every single day you know taking them to the market getting him to socialize with people meeting friends getting them to how to behave around the pet so i always tell that you know the parents need to empower themselves and they, there's no shortcut i mean if you i always tell parents that they're looking to there's no shortcut through this so you cannot give up you cannot afford to give up yes in my darkest moments when i didn't think i'd be able to make it i had to start prioritizing self care and that journey has really helped me transform my life and in turn my child's life have you been able to implement self care to to help you through your journey uh, i've been thinking a lot about it but to be very honest like as i said i've been incorporating exercise in my routine like i try to work out two times a day at home you watching youtube videos but that is something that i started doing lately because i'm realizing as of as i'm getting i would say strengthened by this journey on to the positive word uh, i feel like as i'm getting strengthened i feel like that i need to prioritize myself there just now after meditating because i've never meditated in my entire life probably i've prayed but i've never meditated i was just realizing 
that I never sat down closing my eyes and you know just feeling the breath coming into me and you know uh, going out and i was just thinking i need to start meditating but yes i started you know, focusing on my diet in the sense that you know i make sure that i take proper meals i started ignoring myself a lot i still do i uh, lately i've been trying to track my sleep so i try even if i cannot get a continuous 5 hours i try to just lie down on the bed this is something that i never used to do throughout my life but now i just go to the bed and just sit down for like 5 10 minutes because i really want to do that i feel like this is the time after 2 3 years in your journey that you need that you come to a realization that this is an ongoing thing this is your life now and it's only you who's in it and who's going to make it better i would also like to share that that the days when i got in this year i got flu i got um i got a fever those are the days when i realized that i couldn't actually help him out and that's when i realized oh my god i, I am important because if i'm not going to be there i mean nobody's going to uh, prioritize him or give him the kind of attention he started stimming more on those days so that's when i felt like no you know nobody's giving him those sensory supports and all so i need to do that and one thing that i want to share chad if i'm not like longing this uh, dance this question is that um, you mentioned about the relationship between husband and wife it's not like that it has been perfect i do feel like it has changed so much in the last 3 years i feel like that anything that comes to us is my child i mean many a times it's shit from my husband and he does the same i think rightly so because the child should come first you have brought the child into this world and it is your responsibility to look after him if you do it together it is better i mean because then you'll be miserable separately but it does and i once read a book by an autism parent and i still remember that line that when whenever any parent is diagnosed a parent's child is diagnosed with a special need it does chip away at the relationship so it's not like it's going to be it's not going to be perfect it does chip away important pieces of it because you can't go to the vacations you can't go to certain family events you can't have your grocery shopping where you can have that kind of fun probably sit at a restaurant uh, go to date nights as you go guys go over there and probably so you can't do that and then you start losing friends and then you start losing relatives and in asian culture family is like a big thing like extended family is like very very important so when you start losing that kind of support so it does and since there are no other supports in the society you don't have the kind of government support you don't have takers that accept autistic children or have the supports that you need you don't have schools who are inclusive plus no funding options plus no ngos working in that but they can support so imagine the amount of loss that you go through in the process so it does have an effect on it i feel like i would like to use a quote over here that the only way through suffering is through suffering So if you're going through this journey just keep going. So yes. probably you know you'll get better and reach at a stage where you'll get mature enough to understand that this is life and you're going to make it better and and that your journey is different and it's not related to other parents. Yeah, I think the Buddha said that life is suffering. Some people feel that that's negative, but some people feel like that's the way it is. We do like a lightning round just so we can get more of your opinions where you give like one word to one sentence answer to questions. Are you up for it? 
Yes. Okay. What's the best advice you have received? I just have one. So one word? Or one sentence or whatever, but just a short, whatever comes to uh, your head. It's the same. Like the only way to, you know, get through this is, is through suffering, you know, like you have to get through this journey. What online course topic would you sign up for today if it was available? I think it would be sensory modulation, sensory integration. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? Lots of them. The A course that I'm currently doing by Griffin OT, it's, the level one is free and it's awesome. It talks about how you can use sensory strategies to improve your child's attention, focus, and you know, provide sensory support. Wonderful. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? Uh, nothing. Probably just the exercise. I think. Exercise is something that I, I really want to incorporate in my life and do some strength training because I feel like I should even sometimes out of life just control. So I think that is the top priority right now. What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? Probably the kind of school that I want for my child because now country even have those kind of schools where you have an OT and a sleep therapist and all those kind of things because I can go back to, I can kind of focus on my PhD. Maybe you'll start the school someday. <laughs> Do you have a favorite product you use for yourself or your child that you just love and couldn't live without? Oh, yes. Visual timer. I recently got it from a friend who's coming from America. And I think it's a wonder. Every parent should have one visual timer. Wonderful. Your journey is is very inspiring. The challenges that a parent faces are challenging. The challenges that a special needs parent faces are extremely challenging. And then when your community or your environment makes it even more difficult, it's hard to comprehend. And I, the one thing I can tell you is your child's incredibly lucky to have someone like you in their corner. And I hope you know that. And I hope you can get some sense of being proud of yourself because he's so lucky and we're lucky to hear from you. And so in closing, from what we've talked about or just like what's on your heart, what do you say to the parent that is sort of where you were when your child was three years old and they feel like they're not going to be able to make it? What do you say to them? I would say that that this too shall pass. This too shall pass. I think this is, this is a quote that works every time. Anything that I go through, I think I motivate myself by saying that this too shall pass. And I'm the kind of a person who always felt and resonated with, with what Jordan Peterson said once, that, you know, the purpose of life is not happiness. It's striving towards something better. And probably God has bestowed this responsibility towards us because God wants us to do something good in the world. And if they see it from this perspective, I think it's going to change the way they look at it. I always tell parents that if you focus too much on the autism, you're missing out on the child. So then you just focus on your child and always, always have faith that this will. We all have our hero's journey right in front of us. We don't need to go find it. We just need to continue doing what we're doing. So Fatima, I'm, I'm super grateful that you took the time to be with us today. I hope you'll stay a friend of the shows. I'd love to connect in the future and just see how things are unrolling and together 
we can navigate this crazy journey of life together. If that sounds good to it you. Was a, it was a pleasure to be on the show. I, uh, as I said, I do, I've started a volunteer um, uh, project, uh, totally free of cost for deserving families uh, in December. And I've come across so many amazing stories and I would love to stay connected and share those stories because they're stories of resilience. We come from uh, educated backgrounds. So I feel like that kind of in a way we are blessed. But there are times where I feel like how mothers who are not even educated are still supporting their uh, families, their children uh, with no finances. So yes, most definitely. And it was an honor sharing my story. I don't feel like I've reached there. I feel like I've just started because uh, my eyes are just open now. That's what I feel like. And that's what I feel like every single day. And I'm sure every every parent can relate to that because in this journey, you learn a lot. And you grow a lot as a person and as a human being. You become a better person. Yes. And I credit myself yeah. for that. I agree. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. And uh, blessings to you and your family. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This concludes our show for today, and I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics. And the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long. <laughs>